friends, Uncle Mar back with another episode of the IT Business Podcast. We are interviewing live in Dallas, Texas at the last ASCII event of the year, the ASCII Cup. And today I am actually joined by a member of the ASCII Leadership Group, Trevor DiGirolamo. And we are going to talk about the, it's not brand spanking new, but introduced new this year, the ASCII Spark Program uh, peer membership for the ASCII members. Excellent. Thank you, Marvin. Appreciate you uh, having me on your podcast. The ASCII Spark Peer Group was launched earlier this year. Uh, it's a little bit different than a, another peer group we, we attempted to get off the ground last year, the Insider. Spark is available to all members at no cost. Currently, we have 15 groups up and running. Each group has about 10 members in it. One member leads the discussions every two weeks. All the groups uh, meet for about 90 minutes twice a month. And the only uh, little, uh, something that sets it apart from other peer groups is that once a month for about 30 minutes in each of the peer groups, we have a vendor speak with regard to best practices and educational content. So uh, you would not, the members don't get pitched anything. They just get additional information and insight onto the uh, stats and status of the industry. As far as how the peer groups are set up, uh, the only thing that you would have in common with your fellow Spark members would be your approximate revenue size as an MSP. Uh, all of the uh, other peers in your group would be in different locations, different states, so you're not sharing sensitive information with potential competitors within your group or the ASCII community. Also, whatever happens in the peer group stays in the peer group, stays in Spark, um, and we've had a lot of success so far since May. Uh, earlier this month, we sent out a uh, another mass email to the membership and we obtained about 37 new members in the month of September uh, to the Spark program. So it's off the ground. The vendors are participating and providing great educational content. The members are really getting a lot of information from each other. And uh, here in Dallas, we had our first team leader meeting with the, uh, the Spark leaders and uh, gained a lot of valuable feedback. So when uh, we continue doing this throughout next year, uh, it will even grow and expand to have more value for the members, and um, hopefully we can expand it to 25 groups. All right. Well, so I just want to say when I showed up at the event, Len tried to direct me into that Spark group meeting, and I'm like, wait a minute. I just joined. How can I be a leader already? <laughs> um, so um, I saw there were probably, what, 30 people in that room? Was it about that? In the uh, in the uh, the leadership room uh Yesterday, we probably we've only had thirteen leaders show up. Okay, but uh, there's a total of fifteen plus leaders. They couldn't make it into town, and um, again, we added thirty people just in September. So that's technically three more okay. leaders that get picked. All right. So I know that it, it's a different iteration than the last attempt, and this seems to be a little bit more specific in terms of group membership uh, as well as the commitment. And I know that 
when I looked at joining the first go around, I'm like, 90 minutes twice a month might seem like a bit much. However, it seems as though that's probably about the right amount of time because in order to share and get into the, the nitty gritty of running your business, you got to have time to talk and expand on ideas. So and that's a great, great point, Marvin. And what we've, we've noticed in the past few months, um, we've thought about adding more people to the, to each group, but we found when you get above 10, there's just not enough time for everybody to, to go around and, and talk about their most recent concerns. And also back to your, uh, 90 minute, uh, might be too much time. Some of the groups, um, they they've cut it down to an hour uh, twice a month. It's 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 based on the time. We all are very sensitive to the fact that we know you're running a business. You have a million things going on, and for you guys to stick to a schedule every month, twice a month for ninety minutes, it's, it's sometimes can be challenging. So the rules are not written in stone, but the do, the groups do meet twice a month for and at I least do, sixty to ninety minutes. Yeah. And I do like the fact that each group can kind of design their own. Uh, parameters there. I know that when I was with another uh, group, we actually met once a week uh-huh. uh, for about an hour to an hour and a half. And that was a physical meeting every every week that we had to go to. Mm-hmm. That was a bit much for me as my business started to grow. But doing it in this manner, it's basically uh, a Teams meeting or a Zoom meeting. And you get to you know meet with people that are not in your area. Yep. So you don't have to worry about, oh, well, if I'm if I see you doing this next week, I know where it came from. <laughs> right, sort of right. Thing. Yes. Um, so yes. this has been pretty good. Right. And again, in non-competitive region, regions, but similar in revenue size. The reason we group people by revenue is we found that the MSPs tend to have the same issues or concerns or problems that come up each week that they need to brainstorm on and noodle and figure things out. And, and that is critical because we've had other meetings um, where you start to get into a discussion and a member with, you know, 10 texts uh, describes a problem and somebody with no texts or one tech, it's just not the same. Mm-hmm, right. And you, you come at it from a much different approach. So, different having, perspective, yes. so having members that are similar in revenue and size mm-hmm. actually makes it a lot easier to discuss uh, especially when you're talking about, you know, how to deal with hiring your first employee. Well, right. You know, somebody that's got, you know, 20 staff is going to have a much different process. Yeah, they won't be involved in that that discussion as, as far as a, a one-man shop that is growing and hiring his first two techs. Yeah. So, yep, that's uh, that's why we're grouping them in the revenue range. And another point I just wanted to, to make, um, when you become a member of the Spark Peer Group, uh, they have complete autonomy as far as choosing times when you meet the days of the week. Sometimes they mix it up. They change it. They move around. We, we don't enforce any, any sort of rules. We're flexible and, uh, and we let you guys take control of when you can meet, when you can have a conversation and let you guys run with it. All right. Now, Trevor, you've been with ASCII for quite some time and it seems as though you got kind of moved into this role is it because of your relationship with the MSP members that kind of made that transition easy for you? I think, I think I've had a lot of success in this because I was a uh, director of member recruitment for close to 12, maybe 13 years. So most of the members in the group, I know personally from having onboarded them now being part of this, the spark program, it's very easy for me to approach the members and talk to them almost. Uh, we're all practically friends here. 
1,300 friends that, that run their own business all around the country. So to bring them on board, it was an easy transition. And then when you combine the fact that uh, I've attended pretty much every ASCII event except one in 14 years, um, uh, it's easy for me to approach some of the, the vendors that are a good fit to provide some educational content, some best practices, and not just pitch you guys on, on something that you would have no interest in. So okay. it's easier for me to kind of navigate those two worlds. All right. So this has been uh, in full effect since May. So we're about five, six months into it. Uh, any notable changes that people have asked for or that you guys see making uh, as we kind of go around? Great know? question, especially uh, this week when, when all, this is the first time all the team leaders have gotten together. We're going to tighten a few things up. Um, we're going to pad some of the groups to make sure uh, the attendance is, is close to eight to 10 people as possible. So we found that maybe there might be 12 people in a group, but every, you know, a couple people every week always have something come up. And so we just don't want light attendance. We want those conversations to be free flowing. Uh, we're also providing an additional playbook to the leaders to, for topics in case that week they just, conversations sometimes they don't they're not as spontaneous right so we want to give you guys some guidance and and help and make sure you maximize the time when you you're devoting to the uh the meeting that you're getting as much out of it all right so. any chance a member can get kicked out of a spark group if you don't show up okay. that will get you kicked out if you don't participate don't show up yeah uh, there's a waiting list to get in so we'll, we'll, someone they can always rejoin and come back in but if they're not showing up for the meetings, then it's just everybody kind of loses out. So right. um, I wouldn't say kicked out, but uh, well, you're not going to kick come, them out of asking. Come back, come back when you're ready to participate. But it is something that it does require a commitment. It's, yes, it's it does not, definitely require a commitment. It's not just uh, something. Oh, I want to do it, and then you, you log right. in once every three months. All right. So, Trevor, just this is the last event of the year, and uh, are you tired? Is the ASCII group uh, ready to? <laughs> to put this to bed uh, for well, 2022. Well, the, the, the traveling from New Jersey to uh, Texas this week was a little tiring for some of us, um, but uh, excited about the end of the year uh, ASCII Cup uh, celebration for our vendor partners, and then uh, really excited about our, our cities that we've chosen for next year. So um, I'm just uh, excited to, to launch more programs, more benefits, and just kick off 2023 with a with a bang, literally. You haven't announced the cities yet. Can I get a little preview? Are we close to Fort Lauderdale next year? We are going to be in St. Pete. Oh. So a little bit. Uh, West little Coast. Bit, yeah, a little bit of West Coast. We've done South Florida the, for the past several years. So we're moving up into the middle of the I state. Know. I'm just, you know, trying to be selfish here somewhat. So Right. There, <laughs> there might be a beach party at the Don Cesar. So let's, uh, let's maybe we can make that happen. All right. All right, Trevor. Well, I want to thank you for spending some time with me. I'll let you get back to it and uh, make sure that you don't miss out on any of the good content here at the very last ASCII Success Summit for 2022. And uh, I'll see you at a, at a Spark meeting soon. Absolutely. Marvin, thank you so much for your time and your invitation. Have Alrighty. a great day. Take care, sir. Hello, friends. Uncle Marv with another episode of the IT Business Podcast. Recording live from ASCII. And this year has been the year for my million-dollar man, Stan the Man, Lusant, is back for the final show. Stan, how are you? I'm 
doing all right. I'm doing all right. It's a bittersweet moment, man. I, I don't know. I think I should shed a tear or something. I was going to say, you got used to traveling and getting on the road. Are you going you gonna to go home and feel empty inside? Yeah. You know, one of the things that I've really loved about being on the road was meeting people who I've spoken to, I've interacted with, and literally have never seen them face to face or never shook their hand. So, um, you know, I'm a people person, don't have a problem saying that. And that camaraderie was was huge for me. And that's what I really enjoyed about being on the Let me ask you this. Now, I normally pick conferences based on region. So, uh, of course, if it's close to my home in, in Florida, I'll go. And every so often, I'll make the trip. Uh, Chicago has been a big stopping place. And D.C. was one. And then I did go to a Toronto when I helped launch uh, a small conference with uh, the the podcast group Podnuts, where we did the unconvention. Now, you got to travel to all nine of the ASCII events. So what's it like to actually travel literally across the country? So that's, uh, that's a good one. To me, if anybody knows anything about me, I love being on a plane and I love traveling. So luckily, knock on wood, I got to fly home tomorrow, right? I have not had any travel nightmares. So that's first and foremost. Everything has been direct flights, no connect, and timing has worked out. Um, So it's been great in that respect. Uh, I kind of developed a little system early on. Um, I would kind of show up, uh, you know, ask is a two-day event. I'd show up early enough to make it to the welcome reception on day one, uh, do my presentation on day two in the morning, then essentially, you know, hang around if I enjoyed the place and got to hang out with some of my friends, or I would bail out early, depending. So I kind of had my own little system. It worked well for me, but it was very, uh, it was actually very good to see how different regions or different areas of the country and internationally, because we did go to Toronto, um, reacted or um, melded together. Houston here, which is where we're at, is a very lively audience. Uh, up, up, up. See, you forgot where you are, man. We are in Dallas. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for that so one. So that's what it's I'm like gonna, to be on the other side. Yes, yes. Can we can we please uh, edit that out? Uh, so actually, what's interesting about that, Ed, this is this is actually a good one. I spoke. I remember having a conversation with a vendor who said that they've been on the road for about 266 days out of the year. Uh, this was last year. They'd wake up in the middle of the night and not know where they were. Mm. What hotel am I at? What city am I at? What country am I at? Because of just being a road warrior. So I guess I guess That's I it. just got hit with that and yep, didn't even realize did. it. <laughs> <laughs> so my apologies, Texas. You know, so Houston actually, well, you that know, was the, that was the first stop. Yes, yes. So actually, it's interesting, right? Houston was the start, and then um, Dallas is now the, the end. So uh, it's interesting to have uh, Texas as the bookends, as I like right. to call it. Now, so there's been a couple out west, and you said that finally getting to see some people. So where there are a lot of uh, people that you met that you had either spoken with on the phone, we've seen on the Zoom calls. Uh, you may have done projects with. Is there anybody that you met on this trip for the very first time? Yeah. I literally, 10 minutes before you and I got together here, just shook hands with a gentleman um, who has referred me business, um, and he lives here in Dallas. I've helped him out in many situations, and he goes, Stan, that was you on stage. I had to come over and say hi to you. Um, he goes, I'm sure I'll be calling you soon to help bail me out of something else. So yeah, these are folks that I've helped out from a, a business standpoint. I actually have somebody else here who, uh, I, I mentioned during my presentation, 
I actually conduct work with frequently. They're actually a under contract with me. <laughs> Go figure. So it's been uh, very interesting in that regard to uh, connect faces to names and voices and checks. Right. <laughs> so speaking of your presentation, that is the reason you're here on tour uh, talking about your process and how you've made the jump as a solo MSP to make a million dollars a year. And that, for some reason, seemed to be the threshold that everybody in the, in the industry said can't be done. Not only have you done it, you are on your way to have doing it for the third year, increasing each and every year. And you've, you've given the philosophy. And, of course, everybody wants to know, okay, Stan, you haven't given us the meat and potatoes. What are you charging and how are you doing this? You know, it's going to be different for every person in every region. So it's a little hard thing to do. But when those questions come up, how, how do you respond? Charge more. <laughs> I know everyone is looking for this magic pill, this magic bullet, write it out for me on a piece of paper. I'm going to relate this to dieting. Okay. It's going to sound funny. Weight loss is a big thing, right? There's a million different weight loss programs because I say one of them worked for somebody. But reality is weight loss is a simple formula. It's mathematical. Less calories in than you burn. Doesn't matter how you do it. Keto, your uh, paleo, your vegetarian, doesn't matter. At the end of the day, when you add up numbers, you realize that you're taking in less calories than your body is burning. It's just that simple. And when it comes to business, I'm going to, you know, my relation is in regards to this answer, this question is charge more. So as a solo shop, I think one of the most important things that many of us forget is our time is even more valuable by that. Well, if you're the person who's delivering the service, who's meeting with clients and prospects, who's doing all these things, your time for meaningless things is even, you have even less time for that. So you have to make sure that you are putting your best self forward in terms of maximizing your billing potential all the time because your time is a limited resource. And I'm going to just mention something that might give people a little bit of insight when it comes to time. There's only so many hours in the day. There's only so many hours you can work. There's only so many hours in the year that you can bill. If you are attaching your billable rate or, um, or fees to time at the end of the day, you're doing yourself a disservice. Value-based billing, I believe, is important. And there are industries that do this already. The HVAC industry, electricians, plumbers. The guy doesn't call you and say, hey, my rate is 85 bucks an hour. What he does is he comes over and says, I'm going to charge you 100 bucks for a diagnostic. And then I'm going to give you a quote on repairing the issue. And what happens is you go, oh, Mr. Plumber, I need a new garbage disposal. Yes, Stanley, you need a new garbage disposal. Guy shows you it's $600 for the garbage disposal. But when you look at that, you go, well, how much is the garbage disposal? How much is the labor? You don't know. It's just one number at the end of the day. So that industry and other industries like it have essentially moved to what they consider value-based billing model. And this is where a lot of MSPs, solo ones for sure, get stuck because they don't know how to properly value and position their products and services to clients. So I'll share a personal story on that. When we had our AC condenser pump, Go out. Uh, we got a new AC when we moved into our house. We've been there now. This is our eighth year. 
the AC unit we got when we first moved in, the one we had before, just it was old and it wasn't cooling. And we thought, well, let's get. And about two years ago, the pump started not working. And I went online myself to see what, you know, what it would cost to get the pump. And I found it. The pump was really only like 65 bucks, but I had no clue how to install it, set it up or whatever. And I thought about, let me, let me order this pump and I'll just find somebody to install it. And when I called around, nobody would do it. They're all like, we're not going to install something that you purchased. So we ended up having somebody come out. Now I didn't order the pump. So it wasn't like I was out of money, but when they came out, they did it. And it was, I don't know what the number was, 700, 800 bucks. I knew <laughs> what the cost of the pump was, but I was not, I knew I was not in a position to complain because I didn't bring the value of installing it. And they did, you know, they cleaned the line. They did a whole, I mean, they didn't just install the pump. They did a whole bunch of other stuff. And this is very interesting. And you just hit the nail on the head. Maybe you realized it, maybe you didn't, but I want everyone to understand what you just said. The value that that contractor brought was where they charge. We've all heard that line. There was an old story, not a line, but there's an old story, right? Um, you know, there's an issue at a factory. Somebody comes in, they use a hammer and they hit this part and the guy says it's a, a dollar for the hammer and it's $9,999 to know where to hit. Yep. That's no different than what we do, but we don't value ourselves as, in, as an industry. And this is where the problem comes in. Um, I have a client who is an HVAC client, just like you just mentioned, and, and he tells me this all the time. Well, there's a cost to the truck. There's a cost to the insurance. There's a cost to the knowledge that my technicians have and the schooling that they've done. And all of that has value. So bundling that into an hourly rate per se may not be the way, but instead it's more of a flat rate pricing billing model. I got another friend who's actually a graphic designer and we had talked about designing logos. And I remember, and he says, you know, logo design start about $10,000. Probably like going crazy, right? Oh, we just, we could pay 50 bucks for that. But he said, sometimes I design a logo in five minutes. Sometimes it takes me five days. It's all about my inspiration and artistic creation and all of that. But at the end of the day, he has decided on a value-based billing model in terms of what's the value of that item to his client and bills accordingly. So it's just, that's really the crux of it. And it's very hard for me to tell you what your value is. That's up to you to decide what it can be. I can tell you, I'll tell you right now, I've talked to MSPs and said, hey, let me see that proposal you're sending out. Yeah, why don't we bump that up? And they go, actually, the best story I have is um, an MSP had a warranty issue, and uh, expiration, and says, well, Dell, it's it's like $14,000 to renew this warranty. I said, it's not your decision to the clients. And one of the issues that occurs is we put ourselves in the position of the buyer and go, well, I wouldn't pay that. It's not about what you'll about with them. And it's about who they see as the person that is actually providing it. You made a big, big comment and, and all of the IT professionals in the last year have been dealing with NCE, with Microsoft. And, you know, the uproar as to my customers, you know what, it's not about what we are dealing with with the customers. Microsoft made the decision. There's nothing we can do about it except how we position ourselves in delivering that to the customer. And 
saying, look, Microsoft did it. It's not anything we can do. So yelling at us isn't going to solve the. And yeah, and that's the, and that's correct. And but also internally. Right. But we, we're grumbling about it internally. Right. And it's just it just doesn't make any sense for. And I people hate when I say this, but I say this all the time. We don't make anything. We are not manufacturers. We don't code in terms of build software products. We don't build machinery. Okay. Okay. Maybe you put a server together, you pick the components, but you didn't manufacture every single component. So we are at the mercy of manufacturers and developers and companies of products that we resell. It's not only us, there's plenty of other industries like that, but that's fine. But you just have to know how to take what's in front of you. You know what? Turn lemon, lemon, lemons into lemonade, right? <laughs> turn lemons into lemonade. And the big thing for me is, I, I'm I'm trying. I'm trying to uh, you know share my knowledge with folks as best as possible. And but if you have hangups that I can't get rid of, then there's not much I can do yeah. for you. But the big thing is making sure to pull yourself out of the equation. And think about things from the customer's perspective, not from your. Absolutely. And you're just the facilitator of whatever service or product that you're trying to provide for them. So, yeah. all right, man. So good stuff. Uh, I've, I was able to see you uh, for two of the presentations and both of them were stellar. And too bad you didn't get a chance for Q&A. But as I sit here and interview you and we talk about this, uh, that would have been tough. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, uh, I'm sure look out for me in some other venue. I'm sure something will happen because it's, it's who I am. And, uh, you know, I, I really, and I, I'll share this with you because now we're at the end of it. When I was deciding on how this presentation would occur, the question was, would it be a Q and a style presentation or me presenting? And reality is I said, it can't be a Q and a, um, initially it can't just be a Q and a. And the reason is People don't know what they don't know. And I feel that I have some some knowledge to share uh, that I think is valuable to, to those who want to listen. And at the end of the day, if folks have questions after hearing what I have to say, I've, I've presented them with many opportunities in which to contact me yep. later on and ask questions and do a deeper dive. And Uncle Marv, let's not forget this. I put my numbers up there. Yes, right. I put gross revenue. I put gross profit. I put net income. I mean, I was up there bare. And, you know, things that every business owner covets, you know, it's it's un-American to talk about money unless it's public stock, publicly traded stock companies. But as in reality, I wanted people to really understand that uh, there was some real meat and potatoes. Well, definitely you did put your information out there. But as a member of ASCII, a lot of people have access to you. Uh, already in the forums, and you have made yourself readily available to ASCII members uh, to assist and, uh, you know, to get those calls after the fact. I think it's probably a better way to do it because, again, you and I even talking, it's all about where you are, not only in location, where are you at in your business, where are you at in your relationship with your customers, uh, as to how you're going to make your money. So, those are tough discussions to have sometimes when, you know, it's, you're looking at it going, man, not only am I not charging enough, I'm not valuing my service enough. And I think the two are kind of a little bit different because, yeah, you can charge more, but you've got to show the value. Oh, 100%. 100%. And 
I've realized, I just want to just mention this. I, I know I've spoken to you offline before. I didn't grow up in the industry. And what I mean by that is I had friends, I had clients in other industries, and I've watched other business owners do their own thing in their regard. And one of the most interesting things for me to see were these small shops making big money in their individual respective. And it was just shocking to me that it can happen. And I, in our industry, unfortunately, that's not the norm. When it's norm in other industries, you know, if you look at the financial industry, these small family offices are trading big money and making big money and people you never even heard about, you know, 10, 15 people offices making money. We, you know, some of us can't even fathom. And for me, understanding that that was an option to deliver a quality. And I want you folks to know this. This is not just about the money. I mean, I, I really believe that I deliver a quality product um, to, to clients. And you know, I have, my first client ever is still a client to this day. So, um, But reality is not having what I consider to be our industry head trash that you and I have spoke about and understand that it is possible. Um, and like I tell everybody up there, I'm a human. I am you guys can come here and touch me. Well, but uh, the point is, I'm not this uh, uh, mythical creature that you know, pie in the sky. So you know, that's just the, the what I want to leave. Yep, he walks among us, and uh, I appreciate the fact we've known each other now. Man, was it five, six years? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, have been able to share our journeys together. And uh, on behalf of all of ASCII, I want to say thank you for sharing that with us on stage for these presentations and. I'll let you get back to it because I have no idea when you're leaving. So I want to make sure that you. Oh, I'm here till tomorrow, man. I got to go to the party tonight. We got oh, the cup. Tonight's the, the big cup. party. So, so can't uh, miss that. We will see you there. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for downloading and subscribing. And we'll be back with more episodes from ASCII in Dallas after this. Hope that you'll join us. And until then, holla. Hello, friends. Uncle Marv here with another episode of the IT Business Podcast, a continuing interview session here in Dallas, Texas, as we wrap up the ASCII Success Summit, the last day of the year 2022 of the ASCII Summit Series, and today is ASCII Cup. But before we finish that, I needed to get a couple more interviews in here, and I am bringing you a new friend to the podcast, uh, Brian Doty, uh, one of the vendors here that I've run into, got introduced to. But uh, Brian, say hello to everybody and tell us all about yourself. Thanks for having me on, Uncle Marv. It was nice to meet you, too. Uh, yeah, so I'm Brian Doty. I've been in the, the channel for quite a while, both working for vendors and solution providers, uh, to summarize it. But been in the tech sales for... 20-ish years. I don't know. I'm losing track these days, but been around for a while in okay. various forms, you know. So where did you get your, your start in IT? So <laughs> Radio Shack, believe it or not. Oh, Radio Shack. Yeah. Learned how to read a P&L. Learned how to, well, probably learned how to not manage people. Probably learned what I shouldn't <laughs> okay. do. Um, but it was a, it was an interesting experience at a, at a young age and it was really cool. Uh, you know, even though the company wasn't doing great things necessarily, but it, it was a springboard into other things that, you know, uh, came my way from just working hard and being around people. And, 
uh, meeting different people yeah. and opportunities like kind of land in your lap, you know? Okay. So, yeah. All right. Well, so I met you, you were standing at the booth near Amelia Yep, and I kind of associate that's a common that. thing. I just yeah. associate that as you're part of the ID agent family. Is that exactly true? So, uh, not entirely. Uh, so, I'm definitely a, a Kaseya employee. Okay. Uh, I came in to support uh, the Unitrends product. So, oh. it was our backup solution. If you're familiar with that, yes, I am. Uh, we rolled it out to MSPs under Unitrends MSP. Um, great, great product. Uh, but as most people know, we acquired Datto recently. Yes. And they make a great product. Big too. news. Yes, it yeah. was. Yeah, definitely. Definitely made some headlines here and there, I think. Um, <laughs> but no, great, great product. So we've kind of pulled back from promoting Unitrends MSP as a, as a primary thing. We still offer it to our partners. We still use it for um, partners who have clients with, you know, compliance issues, things like that, where testing is very important to them. Um, manual testing is a kind of a pain. It's something we've yes, automated. And, yeah. And I am a data partner, so I will say yeah. that. And not to say that I ignored Unitrends. I heard about you, but it's like, well, I got Datto. Yeah. It's so. like, I got that covered. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. No, I heard that a lot the last few <laughs> years. So fair enough. But, you know, one of the nice things about working for Kaseya is that, you know, we've got a, a number of products and solutions we offer that are helpful to MSPs. And, you know, I used ID agent as an MSP. Uh, that was how I knew Matt Solomon um, okay. and, and working with him a little bit to get onboarded and, and use that as a way to uh, talk to clients about their cyber security strategies and have good conversations and open the door for us. And it did that for sure. And so when I think Matt had a post about Oh, I need some people to join my team. And I was like, well, this sounds interesting because I, I know those guys. Uh, but it's cool now because I'll work with any of the brands, any of the products that we offer, having used several of them myself, you know, hands on. It's it's kind of cool to be able to do that. You know? All right. Now you mentioned uh being on the MSP side. Yeah. And then this this invitation arose to go to the dark side. <laughs> so did you did you keep your toes in the MSP side or did you did you jump ship? I, I jumped ship. I did. Uh, I did fully jump. Uh, the MSP I worked for was rather small. He's a friend of mine. Uh, great business. Great people. COVID hit and kind of made things challenging to go prospect for net new gotcha. business. Yeah, you know, a lot of work that we did with existing clients, but it was kind of like you know, not necessarily the time to knock on doors. Okay. Um. So you know, can I ask where you were in the country? Because we we haven't even talked about that. Yeah, that's right. So I'm I'm a Pittsburgh native. Oh, I was so, yeah. up there uh, last month. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Nice. Went to go do a network audit for a, a fellow listener, okay. and uh, didn't didn't know too many people in Pittsburgh. Everybody was on the Philadelphia side. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did 15 years in Philly. Uh, met my wife there. It's a nice place, but, uh, home to me was always Western Pennsylvania. Okay. And so, yeah, it's, it was good to get back there after 15 years of being out of the area. Now in that area. Now I didn't talk about this with the tech that I was visiting, but it feels to me like it is a very blue collar manufacturing city. Yeah. yeah. Is that is that exactly true, or, or or is the media just portraying it that way? So there's definitely a lot of truth to that. Um, you know, Pittsburgh was a steel town. Um, even had some automotive plants and stuff there too, as well. But you know, that industry died off, and the town suffered for that for a while. But 
banking is is massive in Pittsburgh. Um, and now uh, what's really cool is how tech has made its way into Pittsburgh. And, and really cool is the robotics companies and stuff that are coming out. Like a lot of startup robotics companies. Really? Yeah. Um, you have Carnegie Mellon has an amazing uh, robotics program. So a lot of their graduates end up staying in the area. It's not a bad place to live either, okay. by the way. <laughs> yeah, there was a big Carnegie's big name there. Yeah, uh, yeah. There was the the museum. Is it yeah. that's there? Yep. yep. Um, that's Science all I know. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah, I don't I don't get around and do social stuff that much. <laughs> so, I hear you. <laughs> um, interesting. All right, so you you went over to the dark side. Yeah, and so you start went so the COVID. We're coming up on three years now. So your entire time there at uh, Kaseya. Yeah. So well about. Two years. Uh, so some of that I had stayed with the MSP until I until I moved over. Okay. You know when they were ready to ramp things up again, thinking that maybe COVID was on the tail end of things there. And yeah, it was you know, supposed things, to be over in October of twenty twenty, yeah. right? Right, right. And so I don't really know when the dates were exactly, but um, as, but as far as coming over, yeah, it's been about two years now, um, and it's awesome. It's a great family. It's uh, it's a lot of fun working here. Okay. Good opportunities. Now, with your backup in the uh, Unitrends yeah. and the backup in BCDR stuff, um, how is, you know, without getting into the intricacies <laughs> of the merger, the purchase, the acquisition, yeah. um, you know, the Darth Vader montage, <laughs> <laughs> tell me what's kind of going on with Dato right now. Because, in all honesty, I am a Dato partner, yeah. Yeah. but like a lot of. Other MSPs, I'm kind of looking around, yeah. you know, I don't want to be, you know, disrespectful sure. in any way, but Fair. we do want to know kind of like what's, what's happening in terms of, I'm assuming there's got to be new stuff coming. Yeah. There's got to be new form factors and the appliances, Sure. anything you can say, so, or do I have to wait till a big announcement? Well, I mean, as far as the, as far as the data products, I don't necessarily have a roadmap in front okay. of me right now, but um, I can tell you from what really excites me is the programs that we're bringing to the channel. Um, and now, you know, eventually it will be across. I don't even want to say eventually it's coming very soon. Um, we're bringing changes to the channel programs that we have that are going to emulate what you saw traditionally with Datto. Okay. And I feel like that's a big, uh, it's an improvement in areas. Uh, we've also adopted, you know, sort of the renewal policies and thing being a lot more fair with partners on the renewal uh, process and how we're doing things there. Things like giving more time to notify people, like letting them know, like, hey, you have a contract expiring. You know, we should be talking about that. Um, it was a lot more automated in the past and maybe some people overlook things. I get that. Um, so we're making changes that I think are helpful to MSPs to help them grow their business adding a level of flexibility there that, you know, sometimes bigger companies, they're a little rigid in their processes and things, you know, uh, it's hard to turn the Titanic. So yeah, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. That's right. Say it. That's right. Um, that's a big rudder, right? And, it's a big, uh, yeah. 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 So, so things are happening in the channel that uh, are in our, our partner program that I think are amazing. So um, MDF is a, is a great uh, tool that we use to help, MSPs grow their business. And that was something that was traditionally a data exclusive thing. We're going to be bringing that to all of our partners. Uh, so that's exciting. Um, 
getting to work with partners more closely, I think, on, on their efforts to grow their business is, is fantastic. So we're going to be helping out more there, of course. All right. Um, but yeah, well, a, lot, all the, a lot of good stuff to that's come. That's all the politically correct stuff to say. I want the tech stuff. Oh, you I want mean, the dirt. Yeah. Like, well, no, I don't want dirt. We're ditching I mean, this I would like and, dirt, but I, yeah, yeah. But I'm, not, I'm like, the, I want to know, the win- yeah, you know what's, technically what's happening. What's happening. I mean, I get the contract stuff. I get all of that. It's M&A. And, yeah. You know, a lot of it's, it. a lot of it's at that level. So as far as technical, I'm a little light on details right now okay. uh, openly, but I can tell you one of the things that we do very well at Kasei, as you might know already, I don't know. Um, we integrate our products together at a level, at the code base level, right? So not just API calls that break and stuff, right? So doing that with the Datto products now and having a similar look and feel across the platform, is, you know, that's certainly something that's uh, not just happening, like it's happening now. Um, it's it's already in place, a lot of it, but you're right. going to be able to see a tighter integration there. Um, that's very near future stuff. Okay, so, I'll yeah. be looking forward to that. Yeah. So, you know, I mentioned, you know, I use the Datto BCDR stuff. Uh, I've got a couple of Datto networking stuff. I'm an okay. IT Glue user. Oh, you're an IT Glue. Yes, so there's I'm... a great inter- integration between Datto and IT Glue. Yep. It was just announced, like, uh, what, last week? It could be off by a week or so. I travel a lot. But the, <laughs> the point is, is that now, you know, managing backups has become that much easier with that integration uh, between the two products. So, uh, it's something that it's really exciting. And you're going to see more and more of that. All right. Sounds good. So, Brian, how long have you been on the road? I mean, you've kind of two years on the dark side yeah. now. Uh, <laughs> I'm assuming that this is your first full cycle with the ASCII events? Um, I did I did a lot of ASCII events last year. Not, a, not all of them, but like six or seven. I don't of them, think I, I saw think. you in Orlando. No, I did not. Uh, no, I did not do the Orlando okay. show last See, year. Got, so I, that's that's probably. I got a good yeah. sense of who's where. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. So I've done a lot more ASCII events this year, um, and then I, you know, I do Channel Pro events, do Robin Robbins events. Um, we even do some enterprise events now. Um, okay. That's some. Sometimes we support uh, you know our enterprise efforts where we sell to larger, uh, larger end users and internal IT departments even. And it's an interesting That's dynamic. That is probably something that I should have asked about yeah. because I've, I do have a couple of clients that they're on the border of enterprise. Okay. And of course they're like, well, can't we do this direct? And I'm like, no, no not a chance. No, no. You gotta go through me. No, you, you <laughs> definitely need a managed service provider in there handling that. And like, if, if if they just want to treat it as a vendor management program, sure, you know, I guess they could buy it off the shelf, so to speak. But they can't buy data off the shelf. That's correct. That's correct. And we're not going to sell it to them knowing that they're working with you as as a partner of ours. Uh, so people that try to do the end around thing, you know, we're really good at shutting that down and making sure that we're protecting our partners and their clients and their business first. Um, in fact, that's that's the you know avenue of focus for us, right? Is to funnel funnel that business through a managed service provider, you know, yep. even if it's a co-managed situation, right? It, it's a lot of them thing. are. That's yeah. The, oh, yeah. the joy of it. But yeah. I do appreciate that. And that yeah. has been one of the reasons why I do continue to work with a lot of the partners that I have is because they put partners first yeah. and, and Daddle's always done that. Kaseya, uh, when, you know, they were uh, first acquired the IT glue, that was my first real experience. Although I, I knew of Kaseya, yeah. you know, it's not like I'm blind in, you know, Florida. Um, but you know, uh, but now with the, the breadth of products that are out there, 
still continuing to be part, partner first is is a definite plus. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right, Brian, anything that you would like to say to the ASCII community, listeners, uh, being able to be on the podcast for the first time, any shout outs, anything like that? Oh, wow. Um, I didn't think of that. Well, I, you know, I love the ASCII community. So, um, quick tidbit that when I meet people that are newer MSPs and they're kind of like lost in the wilderness, so to speak, um, I'm like, well, have you ever gone to an ASCII event before? And like, usually they're like, no, I never even heard yeah, of it. What's, what's, ASCII? what's ASCII? And I'm like, listen, you're going to meet MSPs at a variety of maturity levels. And they've been there, done that. And then there's folks that are kind of in the same place as you as a newer MSP. Like when I meet those people and it's a good place for them to go to kind of see what's out there, see the landscape of not only vendors and solutions, but network with people, make friends with people um, and, and work with one another. So the MSP space is really interesting because you might be right down the road from another MSP, but you guys are like friends and and helping each other or not. <laughs> I, I've seen that, but I'm saying that, uh, in the, in the grand scheme of business, the, the level of cooperation and partnership is, I think a little bit unique in this space. And I like that. I like seeing that. Well, ASCII has been probably the community that has done yeah. that in bringing us together and finding, finding out that an MSP down the road from me is a member of ASCII drops so many walls yeah. immediately. And that that is appreciative here. And it's doing the same with vendors. Yeah. So we're able to walk around. And yes, you guys are competing for our business. Sure. But we all understand it's a big space. Right. And we're all at different points of our business career. Um, our business styles may differ. And, uh, you know, if you like the vendors, you may partner with them. So between yeah. you and Amelia, I, you know, I might shift some more business your way. Well, there you go. See how it goes. Well, gee, the mission accomplished because I came on here to just sell. <laughs> no, and I think if people know me, if people who do know me know I'm not typically like that at all. So, so maybe that's that's one of the things I like about the ASCII, uh, the people at ASCII, and you see familiar faces a lot and really get that in all the other yeah. events. All right. Well, Brian, it was nice to meet you. Thank you for coming on the show, even though it was kind of – Last minute, and uh, hey, what am I doing? What am I saying? It's all but, good. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, thank you to Amelia for getting you on as well. Yeah. We'll uh, be chatting with her uh, during the conference, too. So I'll let you get back to it. We've got a couple of more sessions. I know you guys got to clean up your vendor area oh, yeah. and get ready for ASCII Cup tonight. Looking forward to it. All righty, sir. So thanks a lot, and uh, we'll talk to everybody again real soon. And until then, holla.